Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Let's get to Peter Cheer, head of macro strategy at Academy Securities. So, Peter, earnings and economic data, effectively a, a pretty strong check on an aggressive Fed today. There's a long way of saying something, but I want to try to do it in the short way, and it's this. The Fed went too far with its old mindset, soft on inflation, to now looking like it will go too far with its new mindset, tough on inflation. The market was having none of it on both accounts. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to look at it. I think they were behind the curve. We probably should have stopped QE last summer. We probably should have started rate hikes sooner. Having said that, I think we've been a little bit aggressive. There's a lot of weakness showing up in the economy, whether it's the inventory build, uh, consumer credit piling up, delinquencies ticking up. There's just a lot that concerns me, and we've gone so far so fast on these rate hikes, we're not giving it time to play out and see what the repercussions are. And I continue to believe that as bad as inflation is, job losses in a recession are far worse. Well, let's face it, Peter. I mean, ultimately, this is supply-side inflation, not demand. And, you know, this is uncharted in that regard. And as we completely, you know, throw all the uh, eggs into one basket, i.e. monetary policy and higher interest rates, are we in danger of things going horribly wrong? Yes, I completely think so. Um, you know, we just today, as you mentioned earlier, we had a surprise that oil inventories ticked up, right? So demand for oil is p- decreasing. And I don't think that's just for the consumers. I think that's industry slowing down. As we've had this inventory build, you're going to have less need to create new products. So I think we should be giving this time and seeing whether the economy's, I don't want to say the word rolling over, but certainly slowing of its own accord. And by hiking on top of that, we're just pushing things too far. And that to me is very dangerous. Yeah, and the defense of that is that if you look at the lag effect of rate hikes, uh, people say it's something like three to nine months, right? It means that we've now only felt the impact of one 25 basis point hike. And the Fed has done 225 basis points. So there are going to be residual effects for some time to come. Right. And like you just said, supply chains are starting to open up. You're hearing stories about semiconductor shipments coming through. You're seeing that easing of supply chains. All of a sudden, when you look at um, whether it's Baltic Dry or other measures of shipping costs, those are going down. So you might be easing some of these supply chains, which should be deflationary in its own right, as you're kind of messing up with the demand side. So that, to me, is a real problem. And I think this economy is kind of on accelerant. So everything happens faster than we're used to. And that is why I'm so concerned that we're going to see a slowdown of, you know, fairly decent proportion mm. coming into Q2 and Q3. Well, of course, one of the corollaries of that invasion has been uh, that uh, we've seen NATO now perhaps have some more meaning 
But perhaps the other meaning is that we are gradually and perhaps inexorably moving towards a more bifurcated world. What's your thoughts? So what are your thoughts on that? And what I'd like to add to that is if you see that Nancy Pelosi visit, does that also push China further into uh, the Russian camp? Yes, I think we're in a unique position to talk about this at Academy Securities. I work with 17 retired generals and admirals who serve as our geopolitical intelligence group. So we've been very focused on what's been going on with Russia and with China. And starting three years ago, we saw this strategic competition really starting with China. That was under the Trump administration. And we see them kind of pulling away from the U.S., becoming more inward-looking. I think Russia fell into that as well. So that was really the first time we've had this bad actor behaving badly. And what we continue to see is almost this alignment of autocratic nations where China's raising their hand and saying, we want commodities, we don't care what you do to your people, we don't care about your politics, and we will pay money and we're going to be your customer for years to come. And the U.S., when we triggered, uh, you know, basically withheld Russia's access to their own dollar holdings. Uh, that's been another message that China uses with these countries. So I think we're seeing this realignment where the commodity-rich autocratic nations are aligning with China. We're getting NATO stronger, and I think what we really need to see from at least a U.S. perspective is stronger relationships with Mexico and South America. So I think that's how the yeah. world is shaping up. It's interesting. I think we all believe that at one time Putin hoped to fracture NATO. If anything, it's coalesced. But we really yeah. are seeing this realignment of interest. We're seeing that with China, yeah, up against China. Uh, however, in the short term, China is is set to begin an effective blockade of Taiwan with its live fire exercises uh, that's happening from today. Uh, that could have a big effect on supply chains. Uh, if we thought it was troubled before, it may be more troubled now. But you say that inventory levels have been built up so much. I wonder whether or not that matters as much. I don't know that it matters immediately, though I saw a lot of articles claiming success for this visit, and I think in many ways it was good that it showed that we you know, respect Taiwan and that we care about Taiwan. At the same time, I think we're a little bit short-sighted, and we've got to be very cautious of what China or how China chooses to you know, fight back. We never thought they were going to do a military thing. We did not think that they were going to try and interfere with her flights. But we cannot say safely that China is done with whatever retaliation they want, and it might be much more on the economic side. And maybe this you know, ring fencing of Taiwan, if that becomes anything more than temporary, becomes problematic, and that sets us back on, unfortunately, this inflation course and supply chain issues. Well, well tell me, you know, from a macro perspective, you know, how is this likely to play out? Uh, you know, and that's perhaps with Katerie Paribas, what's going on right now with uh, supply chain rejigging and, and commodity price increases and, uh, and supply side inflation. So one thing we've been talking to clients for about three to six months is sh- shifting your supply chains away from Southeast Asia and whether it's Mexico, whether it's South America. And I think this is going to further play into that, where people are thinking, okay, even if I don't want my supply chain to be based out of China, maybe it's Thailand, maybe it's Vietnam, maybe it's Cambodia. I think there's a real concern about China's potential to interfere. They're a growing naval power. They're growing, willing to project that power. So I think that's going to be the shift, and that's going to be one of the big beneficiaries from this is going to be South America. I okay. think these reshifting supply chains are inflationary over the short term. Over the long term, you have a safer supply chain, and I think that's very good and healthy for companies. Okay. So how do you put that into your pick of the day? 
So I like emerging market stocks. I am back to liking commodities, um, particularly materials. If the U.S. gets some traction on these bills to help build out both sustainable energy and traditional energy infrastructure, yeah, that's deflationary three, five years down the road. But near term, you're going to create a lot of demand for concrete, steel, anything EVs, so lithium, cobalt. I think those are going to bounce again. So I like Uh, a lot of good picks there, Peter. (laughs) Thanks very much. Peter Cheer, head of macro strategy at Academy Securities. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.